right. Hello. Hello. Okay, nobody's singing in the front row this time, so it's a little less suffocating in the front, right? Um, so I'm really excited to come back. I didn't, I mean, you know, last time I preached, it was my first time, so it could have gone so many ways, right? So I didn't know if I was going to get invited back or if Tina was going to ask me to do it again, but I'm so thankful and um, yeah, so honored that I could share with you guys again. Um, and this word that I have for you today is something that God has been working on me personally for about three months, three, four months. And um, yeah, so if it's personal, it's better, right? So I'm really excited to share that part with you guys. Um, but before I start, let's just pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time. God, I thank you indeed that we want to renew our minds with your truth, God. Um, because God, we live day to day and sometimes we don't think much um, about you and meditate on you. But God, when you come with the truth, all lies fall apart, God. The darkness fades away, Lord. Um, so Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that indeed your word will bring a fresh a start to our mind and our hearts. So we thank you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So um, since the last time I preached, I listened to my own message because uh, suppose, like you're supposed to do that to get better, right? Like if you're a sports player or and you play a sport, then you watch tapes of yourself, right? And so I was um, listening to myself, and I realized I didn't pray last time. I didn't open up with prayer, and I was like, oh, no. And so I brought in big caps this time, pray before you start. And so this is going to be extra good, okay? Um, so everybody, turn your Bible to Psalms chapter 23. Everybody's there? And um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to read from the ESV. I hope everybody has that version or something similar to it. Um, but let's all read it together this time. Verses 1 through 4, Psalms chapter 23. Everybody ready? Ready? 1, 2, 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. Um, So we're nearing the end of the semester. We only have, I think, one more large group here, two more large groups here, and then one joint with everybody together, right? Um, And like I said, the first time Tina asked me to preach, um, I went before God and I said, God... If I only preach once in my entire life, what do you want me to preach on? Once in my entire life. And so I preach on the love of God. And so this time I ask God, God, if you only have me preach twice in my whole life, what would be the second message? Right? And the thing is to preach well, as in for the people to be blessed and to receive it well, you need to have a word that's timely. Everybody say timely. And timely doesn't mean um, you start on time and you end on time, which is very important, right? Which is very important to keep to the time. But timely really means fitting to the time that we are in, right? And so we're near the end of the semester. And the thing is, some of you guys are going to go. 
the exchange students that are, you know, ending and wrapping up your semester here, we're going to say goodbye to you. You're going to go back to your respective homes and campuses. And some of you guys are staying, the four-year students and the ones that we've had for a long time that we love dearly, right? However, no matter if you're staying or going, by the end of this semester, we're all going to scatter. There is no central location like large group. There's no central location like familia. Emmaus is over, at least for this semester, right? And personally, I feel like for I've been doing you know, campus ministry for a while, I believe a mark of a good ministry isn't how many students are on fire during the semester. It's actually how many students are on fire when the semester ends. Because this is a really great place for us to stir the fire. And we need this, right? And we need to be around each other. But when, what, what happens when you go back home and you go back to your campus and you go back to your old friends, right? Can we still steward the fire then? Can we not just stay the same, but continue to grow? Have you ever seen a baby that stops growing? Like, no, seriously. I'm sure it looks really weird, right? Much like that, we don't want to be babies in Christian sense that stop growing. We always want to continue to develop, continue to grow, right? And so... I feel like the message I have for you today is a message that's going to help you throughout your Christian walk. That's not going to just be timely as in, oh, you just got on fire. Here it is. And then, yay, you know, and then you take it home. But something that I want all of us to reflect on day to day in our Christian walk, because it's a fight every day, right? And so, yeah, you know, we can, we can teach you how to pray how to release fire, how to cast out demons, how to lead worship, lead a small group. But all those things are merely just fruit of a greater tree. Just fruits, right? And the source, the source that the tree feeds off of is God. Good fruits. In Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it says this, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he, medita- on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by a stream of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Okay? As a tree that's planted on a continual stream and that produces really good fruit, we want to be that tree that is planted by God's truth, that continually produces good fruit, not bad ones. There's a story in the Bible that Jesus goes to a fig tree and he realizes the figs are all rotten. And he curses a tree. And the next day, the tree's dead. And much like that, we want to be a tree that produces good fruit. Amen. And a good tree doesn't produce fruit once in its lifetime. It continually starts bearing fruit. And I know I'm talking a lot about trees, and I know we just read a passage on a shepherd, but I promise it's going to all come together, okay? So, like, imagine the shepherd and the sheep and the tree all in one picture. We're all going to picture it together, and we're going to all walk through this together, okay? In verse... One of chapter 23 of Psalms, it says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, when you read a word like want, you think of something that you desperately want, but you don't really need, right? You don't say, oh, I really want some air. <laughs> like, I really want it now. Or like, I really want the 
ability for oxygen to come through my nose. You know, you don't see that you want certain things that are necessary to you. You say you want things that are unnecessary, right? So say that, you know, you want the new Xbox game that's coming up. I, I, I don't even know. I don't know why. That's actually not an um, example I put on here. I don't know why I said Xbox. But you say, say that, say that, okay. So say that you have been eating for a couple of days, right? You don't say, oh, I really want a piece of toast, dry toast, and maybe like a glass of water. No, you say, I want like a medium rare steak with some asparagus and some potatoes on the side. Like that's what you want, right? But the thing is, the word want here in the Hebrew is haser. Can we say haser? And it means this. By definition, it means to fail, to lack, to decrease, abate, to shrink back. Like, if someone's saying, I'm shrinking back, I'm failing in the word want, it doesn't seem like a person that wants extravagant things, right? It feels like someone that just wants the bare necessities, the basic needs, right? And so today, my message is called Basic Needs. A couple of weeks ago, um, Pastor Joel spoke for us, right? And um, at the end, it was a really powerful altar call. And at the end, he said, I don't know if you guys remember, but he, everybody, everybody was start st- uh, standing up. And he said, you don't even know the callings that are in this room. You don't even know the missionaries and the pastors that are in this room. You don't even know the people that are meant for the business mountain. And it's going to change the business realm for God, right? Do you remember when he said that? When he said that, he was looking out to a crowd like you guys, exactly this crowd, and saying, oh my, God has such a big plan for you, and 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 you. And it's not going to be just good for you, but it's going to be good for the world and for the glory of God. That's what he said. And I remember I was standing right there, and I was like, yes, exactly. I was like, yes, I see it. I see it on that person, that person, that person. Yes, and amen. Yes, and amen, right? And just then, God gave me... The inspiration for today's message. He said, yes and amen. He said, they are meant to do great things. This group here especially are meant to rise up and do great things for God. And to bring glory to my name. But they need to know this. That their basic needs are covered. And I was like, that's so good. But I have no idea what that means. And so since then, I've been asking God basic needs, basic needs, right? And so with anything in life, job or games or anything, there are levels and there are hierarchies and um, there's level one, level two, level three, level four, you know, um, top grade meat to the lowest grade meat. Like everything is in an order. And much like that, we can't go to level two without mastering level one right? In, a, in any like video game, you, you can't do it until you conquer something on level one and then you go to level two, right? And so the thing is the basics are so important. For you guys to achieve all those things that Pastor Joel called out and all the things that we see in you, we can't go up here until we do the basics down here, until we cover all the bases here, 
And here, I really try to make a sports reference because it's fitting, right? Because when you, um, you know, when you play a sport, it's really you, you have to start from the bottom. You have to learn the basics. And I was going to start with like baseball, but like I. I really don't know much about sports, and if I had tried, it would have been really uncomfortable for everybody. So I'm going to give more of like a visual illustration, okay? And near my house, there are these two big uh, construction sites happening. Um, they're both apartment buildings. Huge, like 30 floors high. Um, and when I walk to the station, one's on my right and one's on my left. And the thing, the building that's on my right, it's actually almost complete the 30 stories already built they're just putting you know the internal works in but the building on my right is still on ground level when we moved in um to that area and even before we did um this this my left side building it wasn't even starting they just like sectioned it off there was nothing going on here but on here they started building levels but right around the time that we moved moved into this place they started building on both sides but the building on the right with the 30 stories it took them exact same amount of time to do 30 stories, but on this side, they're still on ground level. They're still digging holes, and they're still putting in um, those big metal beam thingies, right, all the way down, and they still haven't left the ground. The same amount of time that it took to build 30 floors is taking them the same time to build the base. And much like that, we can build 30 stories high really quickly, but if the base isn't sound... You can't build as fast. It's just good common sense, right? What happens if the base starts breaking and the whole building falls? And I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a business-oriented person, but I'm pretty sure if your building falls and there's families living in your building, that's going to be a lot of lawsuits that you don't want to handle, right? And much like that, that's why you put so much time and so much detail-orientedness in the base. And so I'm still watching this building on the left, and it looks like it's not going anywhere. But this building on the right, it looks really glamorous. Like the beams are coming, the, the, you know, the, it looks like a boat, actually. It looks like a ship with, like, um, flags coming out of it. And this one, I don't, I don't really know what's going on here, but I'm sure it's going to be good. But it's just not that glamorous. The base of everything is actually not that glamorous. The basics of things, it's not that glamorous. It's not the things that you see. When the families move into this building, they're not going to be like, wow, what an amazing base for my apartment building. No, they're going to be like, wow, my apartment's really great on the 30th floor and I see everything, right? No one really appreciates the base and all the things that go on in here, but everybody appreciates everything that goes up in here. Much like that, God is portrayed as a shepherd in this passage. And have you guys ever um, met a shepherd? No, me neither. And so, um, so I googled shepherding, um, and they did the whole thing, like the, bib- the biblical, the old-time shepherding, and the, the modern shepherds. Um, there's like a website for modern shepherds, and um, there's a list of jobs that a shepherd does, and I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, honestly. Like, it's like deworming, um, pregnancy test i don't even know how you pregnancy test a sheep but like like it's like all these works and these these um farmers they have, they have pictures of it and they're like deworming a, a sheep and they're like headlock it and then they like shove a pill down their throat and the, and the sheep is like you know just kick it and it's like that doesn't look like fun and the shepherd here is portrayed as god's provision for us 
And it's not glamorous. It's not supposed to be this thing where it's like, oh, wow, the visions of God and the, and the provisions of God. It's supposed to be just basics, right? And I know we talked about trees and fruits before. And before I talk about more of the trees and the fruits, God is saying here is that I am your shepherd and you shall not want. And let's say it again, I am your shepherd and you shall not need. There are basic needs that God is covering for you because he's your shepherd. There are basic needs that God is providing for you because he's your shepherd. And God is probably the most responsible person in the world. When he calls himself a shepherd, he takes it very seriously. All the jobs that requires to be a shepherd, he takes it very seriously. Okay? And so as we go through the passage, I just want to like paint like a, a web picture here. And um, it's going to be like this. We're going to talk about three basic needs that God covers as a shepherd. Basic needs. And beneath those three needs are going to be fruits that this basic needs produces. But it's not going to be actually good fruits. It's going to be bad fruits. And the reason is this is that when a tree bears bad fruit, it's assigned to something that's bigger, right? If a, fruit, uh, if a fruit is bad, then you realize there's something wrong with the tree. It's not like you can't get mad at the fruit. You've got to get mad at the tree. And so much like that, I feel like there are certain things that God's been highlighting for me personally, for you guys, that I feel like is a bad fruit in your life. And it's not a bad fruit for me to say, you guys are terrible people. You know, but for me to help you guys say, hey, this is a warning. This is a red flag. Let's get to the issue. Let's get to the root of it. Right. And so we're, we're, we're going to um, like fill in the blank here. OK, so three basic needs that God provides and underneath them, three bad fruits that I feel like it's being highlighted and not just that it's a bad fruit, but how to take care of it. OK, you all with me? All right. Let me touch some. Man, last time, I got so nervous. I got like straight cotton mouth when I got up here. I was like, I was like mad parched. <clears throat> Am I okay? Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. So verse two, let's read verse two together. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Amen. Uh, the word lie here is rabat in Hebrew. Ever say rabat. Um, and if you look it up in Hebrew, it actually just means to lie down. So I was like, oh, man, I thought it was going to be something, you know, more profound. And I could, like, preach on that. But it just means lie down in, um, in Hebrew. But because it's talking about a sheep, the actual more correct definition is a quadruped that lies with all its legs tucked underneath it. A quadruped. So a quadruped is obviously an animal that has four feet. Uh, we're not quadrupeds, right? So anything like a sheep, a dog, they're quadrupeds. And so it's a quadruped that lies with all its legs like tucked underneath, right? And so if you can imagine a sheep laying not like on its side, but quadruped tucked in, all in, you have to imagine, you have to believe that that sheep is in a lot of peace, right? A lot of peace. 
Like, if this sheep felt any danger, it would be on its all fours, right? Not lying on its quadrupeds, but on its all fours and ready to run at any given notice. But lie down means in peace, knowing that you're, you're in a place of safety. So basic need number one, peace and rest. God covers your peace and rest. So I looked up um, a bunch of animals that are roboting, right? That lying with all the legs tucked in. And I kid you not, sheep, dog, lion, giraffe, whatever, whatever animal you pick, they look really relaxed. Like a lion look really like. And a sheep was like, you know, but whatever it is, at that, if, if an animal's in that position, it trusts the area that it's in, right? Much like that, a good shepherd leads you to a good pasture. A pasture is actually not a random field. Like, oh, this is a good piece of land. Go, sheep. But a pasture is something that's more enclosed. That a shepherd has looked at and said, okay, this is the boundary of where my sheep are going to be. So a shepherd knows, okay, then this is out of bounds. This is inbounds. This is safety. This is unsafe. So you have to trust God that when he brings you to places, that it's a place of safety. That you're not lying down with kind of like your legs sticking out because you don't know if it's going to be dangerous, but really lie down, right? In complete trust, in knowing that your surroundings are filled with peace. In John chapter 10, it says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf, coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. God is your good shepherd. The thing is that when we step into places and we know that God is with us, it takes faith to believe that you can rest, that you can be in peace. God, by definition, is a shepherd. God, by whose character, he he is a shepherd. And like I said, God is the most responsible person. He won't fail you in this. That when he takes you somewhere and you don't feel peace, you need to speak truth over yourself right? You need to say, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Do you guys understand the power of scripture? That if you speak scripture over yourself, that's opposite to how you're actually feeling, that it could start reversing what's going on around you. And then when you go into somewhere and you feel like your peace and your rest is being tested or it's being taken away by you or by somebody else, you say to yourself, no, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Amen? And I was talking about in the beginning how I feel like there are certain bad fruits that are kind of creeping up in here and in our hearts. And I felt like particularly that our peace and our rest is being taken away by jealousy and envy. In Proverbs 14, verse 30 says this, A heart at peace gives life, gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Okay? Does that sound like peace? 
honestly, like bones rotting. Envy rot your bones. It's not peace. It's not rest for your own body. It's not rest for your mind. And here's the thing, okay? I know all the, like, the guys are thinking, it's like, jealousy and envy is like a female issue, you know? Like, only girls deal with jealousy. No, it's not true, right? And all the ladies said, amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> yes, girls are just more emotional. So, yes, we might be prone to jealousy and envy more than the males. However, males, you're not exempt, Okay? Jealousy and envy. What does jealousy and envy look like? Or what does it sound like? Deep down inside, it's you feeling like you lack something. And because you lack that thing, you look to the left and to the right. Oh, but he has this. And then she has that. But the thing is, you start feeling hopeless in your lack. And the hopelessness eventually turns into jealousy and envy. Because why would you be jealous of something that you could actually get, right? I'm not going to be jealous about a kid eating McDonald's because I can eat it. Really, I could eat it later if I want to. But I am going to be jealous about somebody. like, do, like so, so if I'm fasting and you're eating a meal in front of me, I'm going to be a little jealous. I, I'm going to try to keep in peace and all that. But I'm going to be a little jealous, right? So if it's, it's not about something that you can't you can get, but it's about something that you can't get. And because you can't get it, you're feeling more lack. And because you're feeling more lack, you're feeling more hopelessness. And because you're feeling hopelessness, you turn to jealousy and envy. Envy is a red flag. And envy is a bad fruit. Because it completely goes against what we're talking about today. The Lord is your shepherd. And you shall not want. When you start seeing like hints of envy and jealousy come in your life you need to stop and just check your heart and we just come and say this is just a sign of what i'm feeding on and what i'm feeding on is a lie and what i need to feed on is the truth we need to hold on to god's word that we don't we don't lack a thing and that yes forever there's gonna be somebody that's better than you let's just get real okay None of us are perfect, and everybody's good at something better than others. If one aspect or another, you will always find something that you lack. That's just the nature of life for now. There's always going to be something that you don't have as much as the next person. But are you going to let that be a bad fruit in your life forever? Thank you, David. Like I said in the beginning, I want this message to help you guys for the rest of your Christian walk. And jealousy and envy, I promise you, even when you're 60 and 70, if you open your heart to it, it will consume you. Even at 60 and 70. Until the day you die. (laughs) Why? Because it's the human nature. Guard your heart towards envy and jealousy. And know that when it's creeping up, it's not telling you, hey, you are a terrible person. And you actually don't have it, so just suck it up. But it's more saying that, hey... Red flag, bad fruit. I need to plant my tree back to the truth, right? And see my tree produce good fruit again. When I bring up these bad fruits that I feel like God's highlighting, I want you to know that it's not the only one, but it's just something that God's highlighting. And I want you to know that if you're dealing with jealousy and envy, you really do not lack. And God is your shepherd. And you shall not want. 
And every peace and rest that you desire over yourself is within you. It's already with you. Amen? Basic need number one, peace and rest. Basic need number two, righteousness. Verse three says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. To be righteous is to be of the law, right? It means to be right with God by following his commandments. But the thing is, it's not so much about doing these things and not doing these things, following these things and not following these things, but it really has to do with how you have a relationship with God. How is your relationship with God? Is it clean? Is it clear? Can you talk to God and he speaks to you? Do you have a close relationship with God? Your righteousness has less to do with your checklist of, I did this, I did that, I didn't do this, I stayed away from that. But it's, is your relationship with God closer because of your righteousness? Right? In this passage, if you read it verbatim, it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. It doesn't say that he leads you to it and says, good luck, buddy, I hope you make it through, right? He doesn't say, you know, okay, this is where you start, okay? And that's where you will end. And I hope to see you there. But I just, I just, I don't know. But I just really hope you make it, buddy. (laughs) Good luck. He says he leads me in paths of righteousness. What does that mean? That means he will walk you through it. He is the path of righteousness. He is with you on the path of righteousness. As I was doing this extensive research on shepherding um, and modern shepherding, I came across some modern shepherding pictures and some from what I thought was shepherding was because, you know, um, like I told you from my last sermon, I'm fourth generation Christian. Right. And so I have every um, biblical portrait in my house. Like, um, what is it? Yeah. What, what Jesus has children on his lap. Right. I have that one. I have. Um, oh, um, Moses splitting the Red Sea. I have that one in my dining room. Um, one of them I have is um, Jesus holding the lamb and the shepherd's hook thingy. Right. And everyone, all the Koreans know what I'm talking about, right? It's right that one. And I have that one. And what I thought was, was that you have maybe like 10 sheep and you are the shepherd of that sheep. You are the only shepherd of that sheep. But actually when it comes to shepherding, you're actually shepherding hundreds of sheep. And actually you're not the only shepherd. If you wanted to really do it well, you need at least five people because you need one person in the front two people on the side and one person in the back, right? And so if you have this visual of a shepherd, he is surrounding the entire herd of sheep. Not just saying in the back, like, hey, keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't, don't go there, don't go there, keep going. Keep. Or to the side, just yelling at the sheep or into the front, say, all right, come on, let's walk faster. But a, sh- a shepherd, a good shepherd surrounds his herd, So much like that, a good shepherd in the front is leading his sheep in the back. The good shepherd on the side is making sure that the sheep don't go left or to the right, but go straight forward. And the shepherd in the back is making sure nobody comes to attack. That's how God shepherds you, through the path of righteousness. We put way too much pressure on ourselves. You know, it takes our own will. To step into the path of righteousness and say, God, I trust you. I want to walk this with you. But the thing is, we look way too much in ourselves for our own strength. We look way too much in ourselves for our own righteousness. But that's not what God is saying. He said, I will provide you with the path of righteousness and I will guide you through it. 
when I was looking through this part, my heart was breaking. Because all I imagined was this. I imagined habitual sin. I imagined specifically masturbation and pornography. And I imagined the grip that it would have on a person and how it would distort their view of a shepherd. Habitual sin, it happens over and over again, right? That's what habitual sin, that's what the definition is. You don't just do it once. It's almost chronic, you just keep going. And it almost feels like you can't break from it, right? If you're dealing with habitual sin, that must mess up your understanding of a shepherd. Because you don't feel safe. And you feel like people just are attacking you and the sin is just coming at you. But just like Tina prayed today, I was so, honestly, all day today, I wasn't sure. I was like, God, please help me (laughs) preach a second message. I just don't know. But all day I've been getting confirmations that this is the word that needs to go out. And when Tina said, we need a renewing of the mind, I was like, that's it. We need a renewing of the mind of what it means to have a shepherd in our lives. And when it comes to habitual sin, God will take you the path of righteousness. It's about God. It's not about, really about you. Okay? Yeah. When you deal with habitual sin, the enemy only attacks in one way. And actually, I, I, don't, I don't know what your understanding of the devil is, but he's actually not that clever. Yeah. He's actually not, he, he could, I don't know, he could look scary, I guess. I'm never, I mean, you know, you see cartoons and stuff. But honestly, the devil is not so smart as you think. And the devil is not so creative as you think. The devil only actually has only one way to attack you. And it's through lies. That's the only thing he's got in his tool belt. Okay? In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says this. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's just the character of the devil. He just lies to you. And so when you fall into habitual sin, he'll, he'll lace his questions to you in lies. Like, are you really a Christian? Did that healing and deliverance really work on you? Does the Holy Spirit really work? Does reading the Bible really matter? Does God still love you? How could God love you? And honestly, we need to stand on the truth. Because the devil don't play fair. He'll come at you with like really cheap jabs. And we need to fight back. Don't you think so? So when he asks you like... What? Are you a Christian? He was like, yes, I am. It's like, are you really saved? Yes, I am. Like, does God really love you? Yes, he does. Right? Like, we just, we just got to look straight in his face. Like, yes, he does. And when you see something like that that confidently, it's not because, because I'm righteous, I can say that. You say that because God leads me in the path of righteousness, so you can't touch me. We need to get a little more bold with the devil. Thank you. 
you a Christian? I don't know. Am I? Am I? Does God love me? I don't know. What kind of generation it would be if devil talks to you and a whole generation says, yes, he does. Yes, I am. Like we said, there's so much, there's huge callings in this room. It's like, oh, like, I'm like jealous of you guys, right? I can work on myself. But we can't get there until we get to this basic stuff. So once we start building the 30 stories above, we need to make sure the basics are here are very solid. So when the devil attacks you, even with the smallest things, you need to look straight in his face and say, well, the Bible says, yes, he does. Amen? It's not up to you. God leads you in the path of righteousness. When you feel like you're falling, when you feel like you're going to veer to the left and to the right, look, there's a shepherd on each side. There's a shepherd to the front and to the back. You are not alone. God surrounds you in this path of righteousness. Amen? Basic need number three. And this is the last basic need. Security. Everybody see security. Verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. So as I continue my research on the shepherd, the modern shepherd, um, I was Wikipedia-ing shepherds. And the funny thing is they have a lot of, you know, scientific reasons, like, you know, um, pastoral as in, you know, farming contents about shepherding. But there's this whole big section actually on the shepherd's um, staff. And it describes the staff, and it describes what the purpose of the staff is. And so I'm just going to give you guys some of my education that I received, okay? So a staff is actually usually taller than the, like, tall as or taller than the shepherd. And um, it has the big um, hook at the end, right? Excuse me. And so this rod and staff is actually meant more than just to help that person walk through terrain. Um, It's actually, they actually list a bunch of obvious things, but... Um, I don't know, I guess it could be helpful. He's like, the, sh- uh, the rod is used for digging and flipping things over. And, um, oh, and then it said to jab um, bushes to see if they're animals inside. <laughs> um, so they, they go all these like, technical uses for a big um, shepherd staff. But the most important and the most unique part of a shepherd staff as, uh, as to like, um, I don't know, um, an elephant shepherd, I don't know, um, <laughs> is that the hook on the end and the hook is actually used to um, like kind of hook sheep out of ditches and pull them out. And so because the sheep are and then the shepherds are going through kind of rough terrain sometimes, a sheep kind of just wanders off and falls into like a crevice. And because you can't, you can't go down there, you take your big staff and you, you hook the sheep's neck and you just, you just, you just yank it out, Right? <laughs> Or, or it says um, some sheep fall on their backs, <laughs> and so you gotta you gotta hook their back leg and just you just yank it right out, right? I know, but I'm sure the sheep is very grateful <laughs> that it's not in that ditch anymore. Okay, and so let's envision that big staff that as Jesus, God is walking with us, He has it in His hand, right? Because it says, "For you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me." 
Um, the word valley in the Bible is often referred to as like a dark place, um, like a hardship. Um, King David often refers to his valleys as when enemies attack him verbally, literally, right? But literally, a valley is an unfavorable position, right? You don't want to be in a valley in a war, in a battle, a natural disaster, like whatever, you just don't want to be in a valley. Like even just plain real estate, you like you don't buy real estate in valleys. Why? Because it's just not good. You're stuck between two mountains. Rain falls and your house gets flooded. Um, say that we're in the biblical times, and then you have armies on each side, and you're kind of trapped in your valley, right? And so, literally, a valley is an unfavorable position when you're easy and prone to be attacked. When there's darkness that sets you quicker right? Because you're in the valley. And so you must imagine yourself a sheep in a valley or sheep that's just in a crack, stuck, helpless. And then this giant stick comes out and just yanks you right out from the neck, right? But this is God's promise that as he walks with the staff in his hand, he will rescue you out of your valley. That your security is safe with him because he has his giant staff. And if you're stuck, if you're in trouble, he'll pull you right out, right? And the red flag and the bad fruit that I feel like God is highlighting for, he, um, for this section is um, depression. Um, you know, I don't want to get into the whole discussion about depression, you know, medication and the chemicals and all that. Like, I understand that. I do. But just plainly discussing and just talking about depression, what it does is a breach in security of your mind. It makes you unsafe in your own mind. I don't know if you guys gone through depression or have known people, but it's literally like they're imploding, right? It literally looks like they have darkness inside of them and they can't get out. You're in a valley of darkness and you can't get out. In Psalms chapter 31, verse 22, 24 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. What depression is and what it could be to many people is when people are stuck in dark places and, but instead of looking up, they look down. Instead of being filled with thoughts of God, they start getting filled with thoughts of darkness, helplessness, and hopelessness. And the reason why I bring up depression, um, and the reason why I feel like God highlighted depression, was that I feel like a lot of you guys have gone through it periodically. And you know what I'm talking about when you feel like darkness is closing in on you on both sides. And you see the mountain on your left and the mountain on your right. And you see the unfavorable position that you are in. You're prone to attack. When you're depressed, someone could say the wrong word to you, just that one word. Oh, and then it hurts a lot more than you could possibly imagine. Right? And so depression is made to rob you of your safety in the mind. 
But could you imagine when you're in depression, when you see hints and signs of depression coming on your life, instead of looking in the valley and being stuck in the valley and seeing that I have no way out of this valley, you look up and you see that the Lord's staff is coming for you. Coming to lead you out. And I know it's a funny image about being yanked out of the hole with like a hook around your neck. But like I said, how grateful that sheep was. Because if it was stuck there, it could have been stuck there forever. Like I said in the beginning, I want this message to help you guys for the rest of your Christian walk. Things like this are going to creep up. Bad fruits, depression, habitual sin. So many more are going to creep up. And when that, when that red flags come, the, the red flags come up, I don't want you guys to just be stuck there and say, oh man, it's happening again. Mm. But know the truth of the word is that the shepherd is for you. The shepherd is guiding you. I feel like there are people here, you guys have this burning desire to do something great for God. Something that's bigger than yourself. Something that's bigger than your own body. Bigger than your own mind, right? Something that takes generations to fulfill. And amen. Seriously, amen. But we can't get there if you're worried about your basic needs. It's like President Obama in his Oval Office, like talking to delegates and, you know, talking about the ISIS crisis and ISIS crisis. Um, the, the ISIS situation, that's why I say, they say ISIS situation instead of ISIS crisis because it rhymes, right? Um, anyways, that situation in the Middle East. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, my, oh hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, I forgot to lock my front door. Oh, crap. Oh, man. I, excuse me. I got to go lock my front door and make sure my dog is fed and I make sure that, uh, you know, I have food in my refrigerator. I mean, you know, he, 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 he's got some more important things to do. But if you guys start worrying about your basic needs that the shepherd's already covering, it's like President Obama worrying about his front door being locked, about his dogs being fed. About when, if I will, I eat tomorrow. Before you guys go off, and before you guys live your life, and before you guys keep growing, every step of the way, I need you guys to remember your basic needs are already covered by God. That if the devil tries to come at you with all these things, you need to look him in the face. It's like, no way. God said he'll cover that, and he said he did cover that. It, like, it's the darnest. It's the shame, you know, it's such a shame. It's such a shame when people waste time. Don't you think so? And the thing is, it would be the darnest shame for you guys to waste your time on your basic needs. It would be the darnest shame for you guys to waste your time worrying about your security, about your rest and peace, about your righteousness. When God says, hey, I am your good shepherd, you shall not want. All of that will come through me. You know, the devil's really not that, you know, worried or ang uh, anxious about you thinking that you have this great calling in your life. He really could care less that if you think it, if you believe it, even if you pray it. But the devil gets really upset if you start making moves on it. Right? 
And so the devil really likes for you to um, really like focus on these things. Is your rest and peace really secure? Are you really in security here? Are you really in righteousness? He likes for you to put all your energy into these little petty things. Not petty. Smaller things. But important things. So you stop focusing on bigger things that you could do for God. The point of this message is this. Your basics are already covered. Believe it. Live like it. And greater things will come to you. But God, by his own sovereignty and grace, cannot give you bigger things if your basics are shaken. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. And um, actually, before I even um, wrote the meats of my message, like the little meat, meaty parts, um, the altar call God already gave me. And um, it's actually, yeah, let's just everybody close your eyes.